Benson and Stabler take on Foxy Brown. Plus, they got to deal with witness protection and the Russian mob. This is Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast. You are now listening to Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast, where we recap and break down past episodes of Law & Order SVU. You can hear us out on Spotify, Anchor FM, WordPress, or, and, or any other streaming service. And now, here's your host, Brian Rose. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast. This is BD Rose, or you could call me Brian or whatever. So, and welcome to the third season of my podcast. You know, I had to take a couple couple of weeks off, you know, do some vac- little vacation time. But actually, though, I didn't go anywhere. In other words, I had a staycation. And so, what I did, you know, I had a family cookout. You know, I had barbecue. I was eating like um, hot dogs, burgers, um, potato salad, rice, and um, a lot of pastries and uh, and stuff like that. Though, so I had a good time, and I was pl- I was planning to go down there, spend the weekend down in Washington D.C., but um, it, it, that that didn't happen. Though, it just says as changes were made at the last minute, stuff like that. Though, so. I know summer is almost over, and I know you're enjoying that pagan holiday and whatever. So I'm not gonna say it though. This is a day. Of, it's like a day of rest, though. So now let me give you some more Law and Order news. Now I got some bad news for y'all, Law and Order SVU fans. Actress Kelly Giddish is leaving the show. So. um you know that she just announced that she's gonna be leaving at, at the start of season twenty four, and I was shocked when I I was shocked a bit when I found out about the news because, as I said, the Law and Order is gonna have like a three hour crossover event to have all three Law and Order shows together. So I was doing one case, but this is um they just said they, they just brought like a teaser for the um, season premieres of all three Law and Orders. It's gonna be like a three hour um. The three-hour crossover thing, but and after that, after the next day, um, Kelly Gish announced that that she's stepping down as a role as Detective Rollins on Law and Order SVU. But what I found out later on is that she, that it wasn't her choice to leave. It turns out that the higher ups, though, the higher ups are going to be letting her go, or in other words, firing her ass. And I know a lot of people on Twitter complain about that because they want her to stay. Now. I'm gonna tell you about this. I think it's a I think it's a bullshit move because I mean, come on, look at this though. I mean, she I, I you know this this actress she played Detective Rollins for like 11 years now, so I'll make it 12. I mean, we wasn't expecting just you know just to let go, get rid of the detective just like that though. I mean, but what I found out is it, it, it's probably under the orders of the higher ups. And I'm gonna give it up. I'm gonna name it. I think it's the Dick Wolf and NBC. I mean the network. I'm not sure, but it turns out that Detective Rollins is getting a pink slipped. 
oh, that is bullshit, though. I mean, I was shocked because the act, I wasn't, it was, well, I found out it was that they were forcing her out, though. I mean, a lot of y'all fans are outraged. And, you know, I'm outraged a little bit, though. I mean, it, it was a B, it was BS move, but what happened was that the higher-ups say that they wanted to bring in, um, uh, they, they want to replace her with a younger and experienced actress. And uh, that actress probably wasn't some kind of a soap opera or shit like that, something like that, though. And then they also said they want to keep the show fresh and something as possible. But that, that that's a that's a dumb move they make. I mean, how you want to get rid of a character that's been that we got used to for like uh, eleven years? It doesn't make no sense though. And I don't know. Is it? It has it something to do with ageism though. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, they just um, pulling cars. I mean, Dick Wolf. I mean, he just got rid of a lot of prominent people. I mean, they got rid of Cat. You know the Iranian lesbian, Iranian lesbian detective, and uh, Garland, the black dude, and they replaced them with Falasco and uh, McGrath. Look at that fame, Anthony Michael Hall. That's that's it. Uh, and uh, no, no explanation. I mean, they just wanted um. I don't know. I think uh, SGU Dick Wolf. He probably used Garland. You know, for the Black Lives Matter thing and something like that. I don't know what it is though, but. It's not fair. I mean, why you want to get rid of Rollins and stuff like that, though? I mean, come on. I mean, last year though, they put they SVU put a shocking thing because they got rid of Cat and Garland, and then they want to replace it with Velasco and McGrath. And right now, you got you're getting rid of Rollins. I mean, she's like a veteran. I mean, how can you do this to her? I don't know. Is this ageism? But maybe it's ageism or favoritism. I mean, you got Ice T still on that show, and he's been there for more than twenty years. And you know uh, that um, uh, and the mess is there for like 23, 24 years. I don't know what it is, though. I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, why? if you're getting rid of Rollins, why are you keeping iced tea? Is it favoritism, ageism, ageism or money? And I want to say, Dick Wolfman, you all damn, you're nothing but a wolf in sheep's clothing. It, or and sometimes other people, they might call you a dick. You know why? Because you're making moves. You're trying to get rid of certain important characters, something like that. I mean, like Cat, and then um, what do you got? The other one, I think it was um, Casey Novak. I mean, what are you trying to do? I mean, you want to replace them, the veterans and people who were there for a couple years with some younger talent? Yeah, there's something going on right here. I mean, Dick Wolf has amnesia, amnesia, something like that, though. But what I think it was just it's just not fair just to get rid of Rollins. I mean, a lot of these fans though, they have a position to keep her and all that stuff. So she'll see what happens though. I mean, I don't think I don't think she'd be I don't think that Detective Rollins should be let go, especially the actress who played Rollins. That's my opinion. It's not fair. Oh yeah, by the way, I also want to mention that um, on September twenty second that Law and Order is gonna have a three hour crossover event. So they're gonna have the the original, uh, the, the 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 original Law and Order, SVU, and Organized Crime. They're gonna all come together in one case for three hours, and it's gonna premiere September twenty second on NBC. Let me see if see if McCoy could talk to um, I say uh, Carisi and give him some advice. We'll, we'll we'll see about that. Okay, now let's get to into the episode. All right, um, this is Law and Order Season 4, Episode 5, 
Disappearing Acts. And it aired on NBC on October 25th, 2002. And it's written by Judith McCreary. And it's directed by Alice Sarzewski. You know, that's some guy who directed Oz and something like that. And Homicide Lab on the Street. Judith McCreary. So they probably they filmed this episode probably sometime during the springtime. I'm not sure because they, they use SVU. They usually start SVU in their season early. In, all, in other words, though. So. Here we go. Okay, once upon a time, we're at a law firm right now, and we got these two associates, right? They're having a conversation on the way to the conference room, and they mentioned this lady named Amanda, and then she's their new boss, the CIO, and he tells his co-worker that if she, if she, if she keeps treating you like shit, though, you have to file a report. And, and the other guy's worried that he's about to get fired or something like that, though. And so and he's serious. And so all of a sudden, though, they enter the conference room and um, they see this place was is ransacked. I mean, papers on the floor and they know some kind of funny smell, something like that. It, you know, something stinks in that room, though. They heard some noise, something like that. So they go in the closet. Oh, my goodness. They found Angela. She is on the floor, butt naked. She's she has been raped and beaten and tied up. Damn. Oh my goodness! And and anyway, the the woman's name, the victim's name is Amanda Curry, right? And she is like the COO of some law firms of some shit like that, though. So we at the hospital right now in Benson Sabler there talking to the nurse. The nurse tells him that she has had like suffered some kind of beating in the head, and then you know, and then she had no, there were no rape fluids because what happened was a condom on. So. And so Benson and Stabler, though, they're going to ask the, um, the doctor, nurse if she, could, if she could take Amanda's statement, though. And the nurse tells him that uh, a couple of other detectives came by. So maybe she talked to them. So they go into the room and they find Amanda, a- Amanda, along with two FBI detectives, and they arrested her ass. And Benson and Stabler said that they wanted to speak to Amanda. She's a victim. And and the FBI people, the FBI people tells them that you can talk to her probably somewhere in a, in, a, in a correctional facility, something like that, or downtown. And then they ask her, they in the Benson Stable, they ask her what was her charge, and they tell them it's a lot of things. You know, it's like um, uh, like working for a criminal enterprise, money laundering, and tax evasion. It's a slew of charges. Mm-mm-mm. Now we go for the and then oh yeah, speaking about Amanda Curry, is Amanda her name and you know the you know the victim and turned the uh, suspect and the man is his name is Amanda Curry, Amanda Curry, right? Is she the mom of Stephon Curry's mother or something like that? <laughs> anyway, I, I think Amanda Curry's right. So we go through the opening credits, and we at um I think it was um, a correctional facility somewhere. I think this is um. I was a metropolitan correctional facility. So, in other words, though, they probably is some. And so, Benson Stabler and this, you know, they're waiting for, they're waiting to talk to Amanda, and they just wondering what's taking them so long, stuff like that, though. And check this out, and here comes somebody. Here comes Miss Foxy Brown herself. Now, who who is that act? Who's that girl? I wanted to talk to you first. 
You cannot interrogate the prisoner about the federal case against her or anything related to it. Well, what if her criminal affiliations directly relate to the attack? Well, if Miss Curry's business associates were involved, she'd be in more. Money laundering is a RICO charge, so she's in bed with organized crime. We're talking LCN or the Russians. Stop fishing, Detective Stanley. No, if you just share it a little bit, I wouldn't have to. There's too much at stake. We're not interested in your case. We're trying to find a rapist, but we can't do that if you obstruct justice. Well, until you file a 61, I'm not obstructing anything. And unless I allow you access, you won't be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has to be Foxy Brown herself, Pam Greer. And you remember her in the seventies movie called Foxy Brown? Yeah, I come in. She was like, I mean, she was like a action hero, and she got the big ass tits and all that stuff, man. And she was in a couple other black exploitation films like um, Coffee. I think it was Diggstown, and um, there was another one she did though. I mean. Pam Greer was active in the 70s in the black exploitation area and all that stuff, though. Oh, yeah, by the way, she was in Friday Foster. And I remember she, she played a, a female assassin in the, in the movie. Um, I think it was, um, I think it was, I, I think it was, I forgot. It was in, 19, in, the, in the 1980s. I think it was, I don't know what it is, so, but it'll get back to me later, though. Anyways, though, she made a career comeback back in 1997 playing Foxy Brown. Right, so, um, oh, yeah, wait, wait, I, yeah, that was a film by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah, I remember the film she was in. She was in Fort Apache, the Bronx, where she plays this um, um, uh, prostitute who's also an assassin. She's crazy. She's crazy, you know what I'm saying, though? Anyway, so, and recently she was on The L Word on Showtime, and uh, in this episode she plays... Um, um, U.S. Attorney Claudia Williams. So, so this is will, this is not will not be a first appearance, but she'll make another appearance later in season four, reprising her role, Miss Pam Greer. So I'm saying she plays um, U.S. Attorney criminal criminal attorney criminal attorney Claudia Williams. So I'm gonna call her Foxy Brown. So you'll you'll remember you remember that one. You know. Okay. So Foxy comes in and talks to Benson Sailor, and she tells them not to interrogate Amanda on a federal case. And Benson Stabler simply wanted to ask her about the attack. So, all right, Roxy Brown brings Amanda in, and Benson and Stabler ask her about her day. So Amanda tells him that she was doing work, meeting work, stuff like that, because she works at a law firm. And she also tells him that she works out at this... Um, gym called workout studio something like that though and um check this out though she told him that uh, she was preparing for a meeting some paperwork until some guy came in and all of a sudden uh, he started beating her and uh, <laughs> um uh, raping her or something like that though and she recognizes her attacker and she, and and uh they ooh and then all of a sudden, though, she also mentions the guy named Sergi. And when she says that they, 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 the guys won't do anything unless Sergi makes a move. And then all of a sudden, Fossey Brown cuts the interview. It was like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Interview is over. Let's go. So she came over here and takes Amanda out of the prison cell and interview is over. I mean, what was that all about? Foxy Brown has to, has to cut, off the, cut off the meeting, man. Uh, 
And something, something's not right. Something's not right going on around here. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so back at the law firm, and you know, much is there with a crime scene unit, and one of the crime scene guys said that um, they found they found um, they, they determined that the um, guy smelled like piss, and then much was like, Mo Perk gave her a golden shower. <laughs> oh shoot, this is giving me like R. Kelly vibes going on around here. Oh, I mean, did the did the, did the rapist did the rapist pull an R. Kelly on Amanda? Damn, I remember back in two thousand two, R. Kelly was um was uh, accused of uh, peeing on underage girls and making porn videos stuff like that. I mean, and I remember Mad TV they did a music video parody on R. Kelly, saying he's the world's greatest statutory rapist. And you remember Eric Spears was playing R. Kelly on the sketch. In a music video, he going around messing around with underage girls, and he mentioned something about golden shower stuff like that, though. So I remember back in two thousand two, and when uh, season four of SVU, SVU aired, I mean, R. Kelly was on trial for like um, having underage girls in some porn video and peeing on people, shit like that. I don't know what it is though, golden shower. I mean, Dave Chappelle made fun of R. Kelly also on on Chappelle's show. That was back in the early two thousands, though. You know what I'm saying? So speaking about that, you know, the perk gave her a golden shower because, you know, the room smelled like urine and piss. And check this out, though. The perk wore a jumpsuit and he was working with some company called Atlas or whatever. I don't know what it is about like that, though. Meanwhile, Benson is at, at the um, lab with the DNA dude and he's a white dude with the glasses. I don't know his name, but turns out that the guy is a diabetic guy. He found two other rape cases on the same perk. Because the DNA, and he, and yo, he checked out that DNA, says that the um, rapist was a, was connected to uh, two other rape cases. Plus, he was a diabetic. Oh, so anyway, the rapist has diabetes. So, and the um, lab dude says, if he didn't take no shot insulin, it would be fatal. Okay, so we're in the squad right now, and you got Craig talking. He has a, he has a picture of a first victim. Her name was Petra. And yo, check this out. They made a they made a goof. Oh my goodness. Cause you know, that was a picture of um I think it was a, a rape victim, Laura Croft from season one of Lord or SVU. So Creighton <laughs> was holding a picture of a, of um of a of a Laura Croft though. <laughs> from season one. So SBU made a damn error, man. A blooper. Damn. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, they used, um, they, they used a photo of an old actress. I mean, called Laura Croft, though. Now they call her uh, Petra, right? And Petra was a stripper, and she was raped six months ago. And check this out. And um, Finn f- f- tells him that, um, that her boyfriend was mob boss Sergey Perlman. So, and man, I mentioned something about Sergi, and you know, Ice T did some background telling him that the guy, the Sergi Per, uh, Sergi Perlman is uh, boss of the Russian mob, something like that, though. And it turns out that Petra was raped six months ago, and then, she, and then, and then she later died after talking to Brooklyn SVU detectives. So, something ain't right going on around here, though. Now, the second victim was um, Sergi's sister, right, Tatiana. She died of cancer after being attacked. After when she after getting attacked after getting some chemo, 
So, I don't know. She'll probably silence her ass. I mean, she probably must have been talking. I don't know what it is, though. So, they know that Sergey Perlum is a suspect and stuff like that, though. So, and the third victim was, they also mentioned, was Amanda Curry. She has been raped. And next thing you know, she has been arrested on multiple those charges. Now, it turns out that the um, two victims, Amanda and Petra, though, there was, um, they went to this same, they went all went to the same gym, right? So, they they couldn't get to the third person, and because you know it was Tatiana, because um, they they want they want the the Craigan wants best to say I'm gonna go check out the um, gym where these two victims were doing their workouts, and they couldn't get third third them because um, Tatiana she was dying of cancer. So we're at workout studio, the gym. We're at this gym workout studio, and best to say to talk to this guy who was identified as Gavin, right? Gavin Sipes. So, the Gavin tells him that his father owns the place, but he's not here. And he also tells them that no one over 30 has been working here. It's just some young people. So, and so, he, he tells him that father has a job somewhere in Jersey or something like that, though. And then, Benson Stabler asks and Gavin what kind of car he has. And he, he tell, Gavin tells him that he rides a Ford, uh, Ford Focus. Check this out. Now, next scene, though, we're at this house somewhere outside the city. Benson and Stabler are there, and they, they, they see the vehicle, and it had New Jersey New Jersey license plates. plates. Excuse me, New Jersey license plates. So... I assume that they're probably somewhere in New Jersey. So they're going to go and Benson Stabler waiting for Gavin's father. And here he is. We have a who's that guy. Now, he and he, this, here is Mr. Mr. Um, Mr. Peter Sipes. Now, who who now we got who's that guy? So who's the actor that's playing Peter Sipes? I'm the shift supervisor at a packaging plant in East Orange. So you own a gym and you work. But it's not a chain like Bali's detective. What shift do you work? I work from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. You drive to work? What's this really about? Rape, Mr. Sipes. I did not rape anybody. Then you'll be willing to let us take a mouth swab. Make this whole thing go away. All right, um, that happens to be actor John Hurd, the late, great John Hurd. He was in the movies Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. And uh, check this out, though. He um, had a recurring role as um, corrupt police detective Ben Marquezian on the first season of Sopranos. I remember his on one episode that he was running a brothel. Next thing you know, he committed suicide after his arrest. And he... He had connections to the mob boss, Tony Soprano, like the late James Gandolfini. But, I mean, he's an actor. I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff, you know, and, and um, like the Sopranos, Law, and he also was on Law and Order also. So, he plays um, Gavin Sipes, and he's, no, uh, no, 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 no. He's uh, He plays the father of Gavin Sipes. His, um, he's playing um, Peter Sipes, right? That's Gavin's father. So, best of Sabler, me, um, Mr. Sipes in front of his, in front of his um, house somewhere in New Jersey, and they asked him to come down to the station with them for ask some questions, and they tell him that he's not he's not under arrest, and um, 
so he got nothing to worry about. He asked him if he's under arrest, but now he's he telling him that the statement tells him he got nothing to worry about, though. Because simply, though, they just want to bring him, bring him in to ask to, to ask him some questions. Okay, so we have the precinct right now, and um, Benson and Slaveville arrive back at the precinct with uh, Mr. Sipes. And all of a sudden, there's this drunk dude who, in handcuffs, sitting on the bench, though, he recognizes um, Mr. Sipes as Gregory. And then uh, Mr. Sipes was, was like, I don't even know you, you drunk, though. So he, he I, all of a sudden, though, this drunk dude, right, he was arrested. He recognizes uh, Mr. Sipes, and he called him as Gregory. I mean, hmm. I don't know what it is, though. So, Benson and Slave will talk to Mr. Sipes in the um, office. And they they talk to him about a rape case. And Mr. Sipes just got a bit defensive saying, though, hey, you, you, got, I'm not, you got a warrant? And then they were like, nah. And they said that um, he ain't going to be, I, I, I ain't going to say anything to you unless you have a warrant. So, they think of him he, as a suspect of raping these three women or something like that. But... And um, he just denies it because he wants to he have a lawyer or whatever. So outside the office, um, Cabbage is there, Benson Sabler is there, and Cabbage is there. They need to go and talk to um, Amanda and you just bring her over here for like a voice line or something like that, though. But like, you know, Mr. Mr. Sipes, you know, he just tells them like that they, 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 they ask him about rape case and and they and he also asked for a swab, and but Greg and Mr. Sipes was like, I need to see that warrant for proof. So a couple minutes later, though, Benson Stable talked to Cabot. They need to bring a man in for a voice lineup. So, but when they get back to the um, correctional facility, they found out that Amanda has gone. Oh, so as Benson Stable asked for where's Amanda at, and then this in the correction officer was like, I. I never knew her. And then Sable says that they just spoke to her yesterday. And this correctional officer was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And look at the asshole. Look at the list, though. She's not even there. Oh, my goodness. Amanda has disappeared. Someone pull a magic trick. Somebody had pulled a magic trick and something like that, though. Hmm. Okay, so we're back at the squadron right now. And Benson Sable arrived back from the from the from the prison, you know, correctional facility, and and then they tell Craig that she is gone. So that, that's strange, something like that, though. So, however, though, I mean, much did some to some dirt and found out that um, Mr. Sipes and his son had co-consecutive social security numbers. So, and that possibly relates to the witness protection program. So they were also mentioned something about a couple who got pinched, and then they had um social security number so much says it's gotta be wise tech or in other words though i mean both mr sice and his son was involved in some witness protection program Ooh, there's a clue right there something like that though so so however though i mean um they need they need to talk to mr sice to find out about the but they had to need to investigate about this then though and then olivia mentions that um there were Mentioned about the drunk who was sitting out there. He called Mr. Sipes Gregory. So, Craig suggests that Mush and Finn should talk to the, um, this drunk. And um, that's what he do, though. And then Craig also mentions uh, references to Zambi Bogorano. And he mentions that 
Sammy the Bull Garano did, did 15 years for selling drugs. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a minute, though, about this, um, how these people went to the Western with this protection program and then they doing some side hustle and stuff like that, though. Because it is, and then Craigan also made a reference to Sammy the, Sammy the Bulgarano. But you don't know who Sammy the Bulgarano is, though. He was an associate to John Gotti and he was his right hand man and stuff like that. And when John Gotti got arrested, though, John Sammy the Bull cooperated with the feds to, to put John Gotti into justice, give him life in prison. And the next thing you know is that he got sent to the witness protection program. Because Gotti knew that. Said, said to Sammy the Bull was a dead man after he ratted him, ratted him out or snitched him out. So, we go to the next scene, though. We're at the... Um, we're at some cell, and Much and Finn is talking to the drunk who was identified as Michael. And, um... And then Michael says that he thought he was Gregory and whatever. Something like that. And then he also mentions that, um... They asked him who's that in the hallway. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. And then, however, though, before they tossed him, um, Michael, um, Michael asked him what they do, and then, and then, Finn, and then Finn tells him that where's this SVU? We capture murderers, rapists, and pedophiles. And Michael's like, "Yo, man, I didn't do anything. I ain't no rapist, and I ain't gotta say nothing." And Finn was like, "Slow your roll. We just want to get some information about um, the the guy, the guy in the hallway." So he, you know, he and then he recognizes uh, Mr. Sykes as Michael. Oh, no, no, he know Michael recognizes him as Gregory, and they ask him, and then Michael asks him, "Is that Gregory in the hallway?" And he was like, "He don't want to know." And Finn notices that um, Michael the drunk is like kind of spook. They ask him what, and then he asks him what made you spook. And Michael remembers that he knows a guy named Gregory, and then they was living out west together, and then they, they were doing some criminal activities or something like that, though, or whatever, though. I mean, I think the West Coast that's probably first to California, something like that, though. So next thing you know is that um, Michael the drunk says that. They put a heavy contract on Gregory after word got around that he's a rat. And Michael, in other words, though, he decided to move east and whatever, something like that, though. And it's like, um, and, 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 and move back and move back east. And then he knows that um, he probably recognizes Mr. Sipes as Gregory or something like that. So Mr. Sipes has an alias named Gregory. Hmm. So that's got to be something, though. Okay, so we're back at the um, we're back outside um, Mr. Sipes' house, and Benson is able to discover that Mr. Sipes had moved out because they had this real estate lady. They put the house up for sale or something like that, though. And she, the real estate lady, lady introduces herself, saying that, that the guys came in and move move all the furniture out within four hours or stuff like that, though. And she also tells him that you know um, that. Um, Claudia Williams hired her. Oh my goodness. Foxy Brown was there. Oh. So we outside. Next scene, you know, we outside. We're at the um, 26 Federal Plaza, somewhere, something like that. And Benson Sabler Cabin or at right right of receptionist that's you know, waiting for Foxy Brown to let him in the office. And then they have something to do with them as the sites and um, connecting the California with the perception. So 
Next thing you know is that um, Foxy Brown invites him in her office, and that they ask Claudia on the whereabouts of um, Peter, and and then Cla- and Miss Foxy Brown tells them that Peter has is unavailable to you because he was being spotted by a, a former acquaintance at their pre- at at six at the sixteenth precinct though, and they also ask her about Amanda. And then, and then Foxy Brown was like, "Amanda is unavailable to you." So they're trying to figure out why that they couldn't get get to reach these two people, because somehow you know the some Mister Sipes has like a connection to Sergey Perlman. Listen to this: two hundred and fifty-seven murders, all ordered by Sergey Perlman. Policemen, businessmen, because they wouldn't pay extortion. Even children butchered for fear they might grow up and seek revenge. We solved almost half, and we've connected California to New York through Peter Sipes. Does that answer your question? Yeah, you know that Foxy Brown, you know, I mean, she's covering um, Mr. Sykes' ass and all that stuff, and so is her son and stuff like that, though. And she and Foxy Brown also knows that Mr. Sykes didn't do these rapes, though. Mm. So I know that she has something to do with Fox Stewart, though. So we're outside, um, outside in the office. So, um, and Cabin is talking to Benson and Sabler. And then she says to them that she'll charge Claudia for contempt if she don't, she refuses to give up Mr. Sykes and all that stuff, though. So, and they probably filmed this somewhere around Midtown, probably in Sixth Avenue. And they still wearing their coats like that. I mean, they did this early in the season and stuff like that, though. Now, Cabin is going to arrange to have like a meeting for the next day, though. So, um, so in the next day, we're in this guy's office, right? And um, Cabin's there with uh, Foxy Brown, and uh, they wanted to, and then um, Cabin wanted wanted like a blood sample of Mister Sipes, see if he does those does those rapes, or Foxy Brown will be in contempt. And Foxy Brown says that she'll get a blood sample, all right? So that's what she really does, though. So, and this guy was like, you know, a uh, uh, guy was like, you don't give us a, give a, give us a sample, and then you're gonna be charged with contempt and get locked up. So we're back at the squad room right now, and Miss Foxy Brown comes in and she gives him the the blood sample from Pierre Sipes and DNA, and 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 she checks it with the labs and all that stuff, though. So, however, though, I mean. They did. They had to do some. The lab people had to do some some blood work and find out if Sipes did it though. So Sable was like, "So the blood sample doesn't match." And then Spotty Brown was like, "Good, Pierce, Mister Sipes is clear. We still got rapists out there." Hmm. Oh my goodness. So we um we're now we're in the second half of the story and we're in Craigan's office. Craigan's on, on his desk. Benson and Sable come in and. They tell him that the DNA results came out, and they found out that Mr. Sykes is innocent. But the Y chromosome reveals that his son is the rapist. Oh, and Craig was like, "Yeah, go and um, yeah, yeah, go and see um, Miss Claudia Williams and apologize." Okay, so we're laying, we're somewhere in the street, and then Benson Sabler go and see Miss Miss Sophie Brown again, and she's at the crime scene. It turns out that um. The two people were shot. One of them was execution style, and the second was like an innocent bystander or something like that, though. So, 
Benson Sable asked Foxy Brown to hand um, um, Gavin Sykes over, you know, Mr. Sykes' son. I mean, yes, Gavin Sykes, the guy who works at Workout Studio, they wanted to, they wanted to turn him over. And then Foxy Brown was like, though, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. So, so, and then Foxy Brown tells Benson Sabler that Gavin has a Gavin has a gambling problem. Oh my goodness! So he probably owes people a lot, a lot of people money. So does it have anything to do with the rapes or something like that? I don't know what it is though. So um, later we're at the squad room. Um, they Saber's making some calls, and then turns out that. Um, there's this Italian restaurant. It's a front for underground gambling club. So um, Olivia reads something about the checks and the statements and receipts and something like that, though. And somehow, you know, some people, they weren't happy about that, though. So we're at this um, restaurant somewhere downtown, Italy. I don't know what you would call it, though. And um, they discover that they have a gambling ring upstairs at the restaurant. And Benson Sabler meet this guy named Mr. Russo. And look at the way the guy is dressed. I mean, he dressed like a stupid pimp. I mean, <laughs> he dressing like a mobster and like he's from New Jersey, something like that. I mean, look at the way he dresses. I mean, he got like a, some kind of some tropical shirt, um, button down shirt and no, no tie and... I mean, <laughs> he looking like he dressing from the suburbs, like New Jersey, something like that, though. So they talk to Mr. Russo, and um, and then they tell and they ask, ask him something about um, Gavin Sipes, though. And however, you know, it's a telling him Gav, Gavin has a guilt gambling problem, and then he owes him like he owes him like four hundred grand. Gavin owes him four hundred grand. You know what I'm saying, though. So, turns out that um, he's, he also tells the detectives that Gavin's father is on his way to see him. And then Benson Sable is like, though, we'll be waiting, we'll be waiting till he comes. So, okay, so we're back at the prison right now, and Benson Sable talks to Mr. Sipes. And he talks about his son, and um, he tells him that um, he, he has a gambling problem, and he's... He decided to cut him off and stuff like that because it's a gambling problem and stuff like that, though. And Mr. Sipes, you you admits that he used to work with the Russian mob because uh, he was doing some um, he was doing some work with them and stuff like that. And his wife was his wife was also doing work with too because and look what happened was that she what happened was that the mob took her out before she went to the feds. So what happened was that his wife was involved in the mob. His no his his. So his his ex wife not his ex wife his wife was involved in the mod and then she got killed for it. So Mr. Sipes is like a widow and all that stuff though. So and it turns out that, that um, I figured that, I mean I mean they killed his wife as a mess sending him a message or whatever like that though. And then Mr. Sipes shows him the tattoos that he's affiliated with the Russian mob and stuff like that. And um, he also admitted that. He was went under an alias called Gregory Rosovich. Okay, so no no wonder that that drug dude Michael recognized him as Gregory and stuff like that though. So I mean he was in the witness protection program. I mean he was doing criminal activity in the witness protection program. So they and then he know he brought his son into the life. Next thing he knows is that um, 
he decided to cut his son off because he had a gambling problem and stuff like that. I mean, and he said he broke, he couldn't pay the bills and stuff like that. So, trying to make ends meet. I mean, he don't want. And then him, Mister Sipes, and his son. There, him and his son is were are estranged because of because of Gavin's gambling problem. I mean, that's crazy messed up though. So, however, though, I mean, um, he's expecting a visit from his son, and the marshals are bringing him in for a visit. Marshals are bringing him in for a visit. So, they don't you know we're at the squad room, and Benson Stabler get a warrant. They want to go and see, go see um, Gavin and his son. Craig is there. He tells him, I'll be here when it's done. So, we are somewhere at this place, somewhere in Connecticut. Benson and Stabler arrive in their vehicle. They see um, Gavin with uh, another, I think, another feds and stuff like that, though. And then next thing you know is that um, when Gavin arrives at home, he was expecting to meet his father. He discovers that his father is found dead along with a U.S. Marshal. Benson and Saber come in with the guns out, and these marshals, these marshals, these detectives, they come in, they pull their guns out, tell them to drop, tell them to drop the guns, and then, oh, I'll drop you. So Benson Stable complied, and then they and they would drop the guns, and they, these guys ordered them to put the hand, put the go again on the ground. So <laughs> those guys were like the feds and stuff like that, though. And Gab is weeping because his father is dead, along with the U.S. Marshal. Oh my goodness, something ain't right going around here, though. So later on, with Benson Stabler being interrogated separately by these feds guys, right? So Benson, I know Stabler is talking to this black dude, and no, 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 excuse me, Stabler is in the um, interrogation room with this black dude, bald with a mustache and stuff like that, though. And, Sa- and then Stabler is like, though, I'm not saying anything unless I get my phone call. And then meanwhile, Benson is talking to another feds dude, a Benson detective, and they tell him then she tells him that we didn't do anything wrong, we just protocol, whatever, or something like that, though. So. We're going back to Stabler right now, and Stabler tells him about his career and how he much he makes and stuff like that. And Stabler tells this, this brother he needs a phone call, and then as he walks up, you know, he Stabler walks to the window and smiling, but he doesn't even notice. But Foxy Brown was watching from the outside. <laughs> oh my goodness. Foxy Brown is gay. Uh, oh my goodness, she's pissed right now though. And a few minutes later though, the business saver are in Foxy Brown's office, and Foxy Brown tells them that they're under investigation by the FBI. And um, however, though, it's just like, and next thing you know is that um, they the business saver are in trouble. They didn't do anything wrong though. But they only wanted one. Only wanted just want to get information about raping and all that stuff, though. And Foxy Brown was like, "You violated my protocol. You violated my rules. You messed everything up." Investigation. I told you to back off. So Stable asks, "Where is um, Gavin right now?" We want. They want to speak to Gavin. And Foxy Brown tells him that he sent him to the 16th precinct. Oh, so you know, back at the precinct, you know, Stable sees Gavin right behind bars. And seconds later, they were in a squad room, and um, Craig, uh, Smudge tells him that the IB came to to the squad room digging for dirt and stuff like that, though. And Craigan tells him that that they're they're, they're, in, they're in hot water right now, and they're, they're, that means they're going to boot them and stuff like that because they're under investigation of the FBI. 
So they're trying to figure out who's responsible for killing Peter Sipes along with the FBI agent. Because it turns out that the no, 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 excuse me. They try to figure out who's responsible to or hit against Peter Sipes and um, U.S. Marshal. And you know the U.S. Marshal though is he left behind a wife and two children. Oh my goodness. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So, however, though, um, much defense figured out that um, uh, Michael, uh, Michael, uh, Michael had had was uh, be, was being transferred to uh, Rikers Island for shoplifting and stuff like that. Though, so they're trying to find out that. Um, so much defense says that they're gonna talk to Michael the drunk over at Rikers Island, and they also also want to find out. Who was who ordered a hit against Peter Sipes? So Benson messages about this uh, Mr. Russo at the restaurant. He has some muscle, and Sable's like, and he also got like professional hitters. So we're all at Rikers right now, and Michael said he spoke to his girlfriend, and and she asked him to bail him out, but she refuses. And Michael also mentions that his girlfriend worked at the restaurant that's owned by. The mobster, Mr. Russo. So, Benson and Saber came over here. He, 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 you know what he does? He says, he throws Mr. Russo on the floor and tries to put him on a chokehold or rough him and rough or something like that, though. And <laughs> Mr. Russo, oh my goodness, Stabler just body slammed the damn mob, the Italian monster on the damn floor, man, like he a wrestler or something like that, though. So, Mr. Russo says that, um, yeah, the they say was like who ordered a hit against um Peter Sykes or something like that though. He and the monster doesn't know anything. It turns out he, he Mr. Russo also tells Sabler that Gavin came in and paid everything in cash. Okay, so we're back at the precinct right now in, ter- in an interrogation room, and Gavin is there, and and Gavin though he's the one with diabetes and stuff like that though. So Sabler comes in, tells him how's your glucose, how's your glucose. Thing. And he was like, whatever. So Gavin also tells him that his actual name is Nikolai. And he used other aliases, including Gavin and Greg, Eric and stuff like that, though. And turns out that um, Gavin's parents have betrayed him, you know, some, some sort of like that, though. And um, and then Sable also mentions about the rapes because he Sable knows that he raped these three women. And then Gavin was like, those three bitches lost their innocence a long time ago. And then he mentioned something about Amanda was washing the blood off the muddy. Petra was doing the stripping his depths. And uh, Natalia said that they, they want to do this and that, stuff like that, though. And Scavin defends himself saying that these all these three women lost their innocence before he was even born, stuff like that. And turns out, well, I found out that Gavin set his father up to be killed. Oh, my goodness. Cause he probably would call the butcher shop in Brighton Beach, and then and then and then shoot, and he called other things though. I mean, he it um, Gavin's parents betrayed him, and he's just taking out his rage against everybody. I mean, that oh that kid's one as a more messed up kid, man. And um, Saber tells him that killing a U.S. Marshal will give you the needle. I mean, so Gavin's gonna get the death penalty. And then all of a sudden, Gavin said that he talked to Sergi. And they were like, you talked to Sergi or yourself? And yeah, he, he told, he, he actually, Gavin told um, one of uh, Sergi's lieutenants, I mean, he spoke to him personally about taking care of things and all that stuff, though. 
So, I mean, he, uh, he was just following orders with Sergi and stuff like that. I don't know what it is, though. Anyway, so um, we're out the street right now. And Benson Stabler, though, they go arrest Sergey Perlman. And you know, Sable was uh, is pointing a gun at one of his Sergey's associates or something like that. They charge him with rape and all the murder and stuff like that, though. Damn. And all of a sudden, Sable gets a call. And we at the correctional facility. Had a correctional facility. It turns out that there has been a shooting over there. And Foxy Brown is there at the crime scene. And also discovers that Gavin was is fairly shot by uh some some guy who poses at a guard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's so the guy's a shooter, damn. So turns out that um when Gavin was being so Foxy Brown asked him that they got Sergey Pillman and then Stable and Benson Stable was like, Yeah, they got him. So and it turns out that Gavin was shot and killed after being transferred in the precinct though. So we don't know it's probably Sergey ordered. I don't know what it is though. And next thing you know, this Foxy Brown was like, my work here is done. Sable was like, you need anything? And then Foxy Brown didn't say nothing. And she just walks away. And episode ends like that. It was, it was a crazy episode. All right. So um, we're going to go to a different segment right now. It's talking about these um, criminals that they, they go into witness protection program and they, they be doing some, uh, you know, I would say illegal activity or criminal activity during the time in witness protection. Let me give you an example. Henry Hill, right? He was, um, you, you see the movie Goodfellas, right? So you got the late Henry Hill. I mean, he worked with the mob, you know, mob back in the days and back in the 60s and 70s. And all of a sudden, though, he decided to rat, rat on his rat on his people, right? Because they wanted him to um, kill somebody, but he had the feeling that they're going to set him up to be whacked or something like that or killed. But so he decides to just uh, go and give a size to go to the feds, you know, and snitched on them. And he went to witness protection. And then after that, they, he testified against his partner. So during this time in Henry Hill's time in witness protection, though, he was selling drugs and then they kicked him out the program right now. Uh, no, not right now. I mean, after he left the witness protection, though, he started going around public bragging about his stories. And he, they even made a movie out of um, on Henry Hill called Goodfellas. You remember, and you know, next thing you know that um, he um, died on his 69th birthday. That was like 10 years ago. He died in um, 2012, and he died on his 69th birthday. So, here's another example. I mean, he was. Um, I mean, he he was you know the Henry Hill was dealing drugs during his time in witness protection. And you got another guy named Sammy the Bull Garano, right? He did, um, he was working with John Gotti. He was like his under, John Gotti's underboss, you know, his muscle man, right-hand man, and something like that, though. And um, next thing you know, when John Gotti got arrested for, like, the third time, and it turns out that Sammy the Bull decided to snitch on Gotti. And next thing you know, it was um, Gotti... Been away, going away, went away for a long time. I mean, they finally, he finally, Sammy the Bull Gravano finally put John Gotti in justice. I mean, Sammy the Bull did murders for him and all that stuff. I mean, he did like dozens, like more than a dozen murders, and he decided to become a rat. You know, he gave John Gotti up. Gotti up. Next thing you know, Gotti, 
he eat guys behind bars and then Sammy the Bull was sent to witness protection. And during this time of witness protection, him and his family were involved in selling um, ecstasy, narcotics, and all other types of drugs and stuff like that, though. And I don't know if they kicked him out the program or not, though, but they were involved. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes these people, if they wanted to, to change their life, go witness protection, and they and behind closed doors, they're still doing criminal activity. I mean, it's going to be risky. I mean, you're going to end yourself being killed out there if you get caught. I mean, and you figure you're so smart, you know, you want to get away from death, get away from death and still doing drugs, and you're thinking you want to turn your life around? Please. You still, you still being a hypocrite. So, turns out you're doing crimes, like, you know, in, today's, in, the, in that SVU episode, Disappearing Acts, you say you got you, you got a guy with this protection raping woman. That's gonna get you a lot of trouble, man. And there's gonna be a lot of consequences about that. So, if you want to turn your life around, don't go back into the light that you're in. So anyway, I just wanted to say that let me give you a reminder that um, September 22nd on NBC will be a three-hour Law and Order crossover event. And they're going to have the three three shows, you know, the regular Law and Order, the SVU, and Organized Crime. They're all going to come together and do in one case, just like the one Chicago people, something like that. So check this out. Mark your, mark your calendar. September 22nd, starting 8 p.m. on NBC. It's a Law and Order crossover event or a movie or whatever, which we'll call it. Um, I'm not going to be there and see it, but I'll just catch it probably because I'm going to be doing um, – working and stuff like that though so i'll probably go ahead and catch it whenever i get a chance right now i just want y'all to thank you all for listening in and thank you to your listeners and like and subscribe what you saw and i'll be back next week with a new episode so and this is twisted you can find me on uh, spotify anchor fm google podcast and um hopefully i'm a and um Radio Public, etc. Right? Okay, so thank you all for listening. And I'll be back with next week with a new episode. Right? Have a blessed week. Mm-hmm.